Good morning, Journey. Good to see you all. My name's Chris. Uh, I'm thankful that we get to share this time together this morning. Uh, today is, is a unique day because we're kicking off a series uh, that doesn't have the most uh, inviting, exciting name you've ever heard. Uh, the series we're beginning today is called The Taste of Ashes, Learning the Art of Lament. And what we're going to be doing in this series is we're going to be traversing our way through the Old Testament book of Lamentations. It's in there, okay? Uh, if you've never seen it, it's, it's pretty powerful. And what we're going to do is hopefully uh, along the way, learn together a little bit about the art of lament. And so what we'll do is we'll make our way through the five chapters of Lamentations. And as we do that, this series will run parallel to the season of Lent. And it will lead us right into the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. Lent begins this Wednesday with what is known as Ash Wednesday. You heard Sam talk a little bit about that in the weekend update. And on Ash Wednesday or the beginning of Lent, the season that uh, the historical church has often observed, it's a time in which we intentionally remind ourselves that we were made from dust and to dust we will return. And so Ash Wednesday and, and Lent as a season uh, brings forth this time where we begin uh, to show sorrow for our sin. We begin to pay attention to repentance. We enter into the suffering of Jesus and we prepare ourselves for what you might call a holy death. This season and this series will probably taste a little like ashes. And so Lent as a season is intended to align us with the suffering of Jesus. And so what we do is we follow him into that suffering for 40 days. The picture is we're following him into the wilderness, asking that God would prepare us for what he has for us on the other side. And I'll admit, it's a pretty strange thing to go, I'm intentionally entering into the suffering of Jesus. Plus, how do you even do that? Like, how, how do you make that happen? It's weird to say, hey guys, I'm joining Jesus in his suffering. So because that's so abstract and it's something that maybe we say, but we don't even know what it means, my hope and my prayer is that learning the art of lament creates for us a door in which we can walk through into this place of joining Jesus in his suffering. Because here's the thing. The six Sundays that follow this Sunday will not be easy. The words of lamentations are hard. The work of lament is hard. Joining Jesus in suffering is hard. But we'll be uncomfortable together. And I know this likely doesn't sound exciting or positive and encouraging, but I believe it's necessary to shake us free from our tendency to hold on to, to tidy answers that lead us to escape the suffering of our worlds and this world. The art of lament teaches us to sit with it and to sit in it. And I believe when we do that, we'll find a God more personal than we could have imagined. So to set the tone for this series, I'll begin our introduction into the art of lament by reading the first three verses of Lamentations 1. 
After I read those, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit might guide our time and then we'll enter into all of what God might have for us as a family. So here we are in Lamentations 1, 1 through 3. It reads like this. Jerusalem, once so full of people, is now deserted. She who was once great among the nations now sits alone like a widow. Once the queen of all the earth, she is now a slave. She sobs through the night. Tears stream down her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is no one left to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her and become her enemies. Judah has been led away into captivity, oppressed with cruel slavery. She lives among foreign nations and has no place of rest. Her enemies have chased her down and she has nowhere to turn. Let's pray. God, what what a unique season for us to enter into as a church family. And as we begin learning the art of lament, I ask that you would remind us that you are a God who loves us, who longs to meet us where we are and as we are, and you still love us there. And I pray that that would guide us in this season, God. I thank you that you are a God who knows suffering, who longs to meet us in our suffering, and who longs to teach us in our suffering. And so I pray that whatever it is that might be building up within us to reject this season of walking alongside your son Jesus and suffering, that that you would just let that crumble. Let that fall away, Lord. We know that you are here. We know that you already long to shape and move and speak to us, and so we welcome that, God. We open up our hearts and our lives, our eyes and our ears to see you and how you're already on the move. And God, we pray that you would get the glory in all of this. Would you give me your words to speak today, Lord, that I wouldn't say anything that's not for you or from you, that we would make much of you, we would point to you, we would be in awe of you, and we would love you more. We pray all of these things in your son's name. Amen. So if I had to guess, I'd assume you still might be questioning why we are doing a series through the book of Lamentations focusing on the art of lament. It is not most people's idea of a good time. And so let me give us two analogies that might shape why we're going to enter into the book of Lamentations. Here's the first one. You wouldn't want to begin building a well the moment you became thirsty. Right, you would want to already have a well that would satisfy your thirst. You would want it built. You would want it full of water. Because the moment that you get thirsty and you realize you need something to drink and you have no water from get, which to get that well will be a pretty scattered move to try and build it now. And so part of what this series represents is us digging a well together. I know the reality is that many, if not all of us, have already faced intense suffering or experiencing it now, and we certainly will experience it. But for the time that is to come, let us dig this well together. So moving through the book of Lamentations means we're digging together. Or maybe you could think of it like a math book. 
A math book is full of problems, right? We've all hopefully been to some level of school in which they've shown us a math book and inside the math book, it's problem after problem after problem. But there's something tricky about a math book. If you just go to the back of the math book, you will find the answers. We are prone to memorizing the answers at the back of the math book. And then we find that once we've memorized the answers, we don't actually know how to do the math. We don't know how to make our way through the problem. And I believe that moving through the book of Lamentations is a move to rescue us from just trying to memorize the answers and keeping us out of how to move through the problems that will arise in our lives. So, what do we need to do during this series? We need to ask the Holy Spirit to move us outside of our comfort zones and wade into unknown and unfamiliar spiritual territory. We have to do that. If you do not do that, you will just find every Sunday you come back for the next six weeks, there will be a wall blocking your heart from what it is we're talking about and experiencing. Invite the Holy Spirit to move you outside of your comfort zone into this unknown and unfamiliar spiritual territory. Perhaps James Baldwin said it best. He said, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. And this is true of our own lives as well as in the challenges that impact the world we inhabit. We're going to face the suffering. And so to learn the art of lament, it's not about an intellectual ascent, but more about a willingness to embrace the reality of suffering and pain and sin in our world. But enough of the why. How about the what? What is lament? Lament is not simply the presentation of a list of complaints. Lament is not merely an expression of sadness over difficult circumstances. Lament is, in fact, a biblical response to the reality of suffering. And what lament does is it engages with God in the context of pain and trouble, something we can all relate to on some level. So the hope of lament is that God would respond to human suffering that is wholeheartedly communicated through lament. And so it is that a mark of spiritual maturity is one's ability to hold things in tension. In this case, lament and joy. How do we hold that in tension? Lament the season of Lent moving us through the suffering of Jesus, the joy that comes on the other side when we experience the resurrection of Jesus. We have a unique benefit to keep looking forward to that resurrection. And we see this spiritual maturity, this balance of the tensions in the book of Psalms. Surprisingly, at least to our celebration-centric culture, 40% of the Psalms are lament. 40% of the Psalms are lament Psalms. And so this leads us now back again to our portion of scripture for the next six weeks, the book of Lamentations. Let me give you some context to this book. This is a special book. 
It's a collection of five lament poems recounting the tragic fall of Jerusalem to Babylon. Lamentations does not occur in a vacuum. This is why we're going to be able to access it ourselves and learn the art of lament. It was actually written in a response to the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in 586 B.C. And so this collection of poetry arises from the rubble of their holy city that was leveled by the Babylonians. And many voices become intertwined and brought together as a unified corporate lament. It's something that they do together. Most scholars attribute the authorship of Lamentations to Jeremiah, who was known as the weeping prophet. And what he's done is he's told the story in five separate accounts of the aftermath of the fall of Jerusalem. So not only does Lamentations address a specific moment in Jewish history, it also addresses a disaster of catastrophic proportions for God's people. You will hear their cry over the next six weeks. Lamentations 1, 1 through 3, which I already read, offers us an overview of Jerusalem's fall. So now with all of what we've just talked about in mind, let me read you that overview again. Jerusalem, once so full of people, is now deserted. She who was great among the nations now sits alone like a widow. Once the queen of all the earth, she is now a slave. She sobs through the night. Tears stream down her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is no one left to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her and become her enemies. Judah has been led away into captivity, oppressed with cruel slavery. She lives among foreign nations and has no place of rest. Her enemies have chased her down, and she has nowhere to turn. The fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonians, it meant complete devastation. The Babylonians were ruthless conquerors. What they did is they burned all of the fields and then they salted them. So any of the crops that existed could not grow and any of the future crops could not grow. All of their water wells, they filled them up. They showed no mercy to whatever might sustain life from that point forward. The once great city of Jerusalem now laid in utter ruin. And this destruction of Jerusalem, it serves as like the apex of suffering for God's people and as it happens, they plummet to the depths of despair. And so the people of God are exiled. And as they're exiled, they're faced with two temptations. The first is to withdraw from the world they're now faced with. As they walk from Jerusalem out into a life of slavery, they can withdraw completely from the world they're going to inhabit. And their other temptation is to return to their idolatrous ways that brought on this destruction in the first place. Or just to put it simply, they, like all of us, are facing this truth. How will the people of God respond to tragedy? And Jeremiah responds to this situation described in those first three verses of Lamentations by sending a letter ahead to the remaining elders 
And he urges God's people to respond in a specific way that moves against those temptations to withdraw and return to their idolatrous ways. Here's what he writes in Jeremiah 29, four through seven. He says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Here's what God has to say, he says. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that they may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Go and create, cultivate, exist, live again. Build homes because your homes were destroyed. Build gardens because your gardens were destroyed. Build families because your families were destroyed. But seek peace and prosperity for the city. The reality of suffering and pain, whether the result is from our sin or someone else's, is that the days don't stop expiring. They keep going. Imagine the people of Jerusalem who witness and experience this terrible destruction and the sun goes down on that day of destruction and you know what the next day brings, the sun rising again and they go on. The days keep going. And so, yet even then, the message for God's people, for all of us, is still to keep going. And in that, we must seek the wholeness, the health, the peace, the shalom, it's called, of wherever you are. But for God's people in this season of their lives, it means they must lament first. They cannot simply just move on to the next thing. They must express all of their suffering and pain, confusion and questions, cries and taunts with the utmost honesty before God and their community. This is the only way back to a life of shalom. It's like a life along the way of Jesus where everything's flipped upside down, right? In the way of Jesus, the way up, is the way down and lament can help us because as we begin to learn the art of lament, we will learn that a mindset of triumphalism will not lead us to being formed in the way of Jesus. We as the people of God must embrace the suffering. The way up is the way down. So what do you do next? Because the truth is we all enter into lament and begin to practice lament at different places. It'll mean something different for all of us depending on the spiritual journey we find ourselves on at this time. But maybe quite simply, this is what you do next. You invite the Lord to open your life to the invitation to join him in suffering and pain. It might not be your own suffering for this season, but certainly there is someone or some group who needs you to join them. You can learn from the suffering of others. You can dig a well together. And maybe for the first time, let me just say, you have the freedom to lament. You have the freedom to cry out. 
God longs to hear from your most honest self. You have the freedom to cry out. So what do we do next? Like as a church family, what do we do next? We could do a few things in preparation for the coming weeks. Because first of all, let me just say, I am aware that this is not typically something that drives us to excitement and participation. This causes us to recoil and move away, to build up another wall, to choose another path. So what could we do together to spur one another on in the way of Jesus? Well, the first thing we could do is you could just join us on Wednesday for Ash Wednesday. We could come together and initiate this journey together. 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. There will be people here the whole time and self-led Ash Wednesday service. Secondly, you could begin to pray for our brothers and sisters both here and around the globe who we already know are in the midst of some form of suffering. Open our eyes and then lift our voices on their behalf. And lastly, as we pray, we must listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit inviting us to join that suffering wherever he leads us. It will take you somewhere. Let us pay attention to that voice and go where he leads. Because learning the art of lament has a way of undoing us from our individualistic culture and ushering us into a community-centric way of living. We cannot be solo lamenters. Of course, that's true because God is always present in our lament, but that is the very picture of why we need each other. God to his core is a communal God. And while he longs for us to meet him in honest vulnerability, he longs for it to happen in trustworthy community. So we must begin to be vulnerably honest with God and the people we trust. But lastly, let me leave us with this. If you're still unsure of where all of this will lead in our lives, in our church, in our respective communities, let us remember this. Jesus knows our suffering. Jesus knows his suffering. He willingly entered into it himself as he hung from a cross. And in that picture of Jesus hanging on a cross, we witness a true picture of sacrificial love. And it's from that place of sacrificial love that Jesus himself too cries out in lament. Hanging on that cross, Jesus utters these words of lament, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knows our pain and knows our suffering and he shows us the way. Let us cry out together. Let's go ahead and set our things aside. There's a lot to to process and think through and I just want to let that set on you however God might have that be this morning. I'll give you a few moments to process with him, invite him in, questions with him, whatever it might be. And I'll close this in a moment. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are here. You are with us. We thank you for the invitation 
to join you in the things of this world, even when that means suffering and pain, whether it's our own or somewhere else. We thank you that you're a God who is set on restoring all that is broken, to bringing your kingdom from heaven to earth, a picture of shalom, of peace anew. And God, as we, as a church family, enter into the season of Lent, learning the art of lament, I ask that you would give us humility and vulnerability, but also courage to wade into unknown spiritual territory, to places that scare us and make us uncomfortable. And I pray that in those places, you would reveal yourself to us in ways that make us fall more in love with you. We would find a more intimate relationship and understanding with you and the people around us. God, I pray that we would not isolate ourselves in this season, that we would boldly enter into trustworthy communities. God, I pray that you would free us from our tendency to cling to tidy answers and that instead you would meet us in the mess and the hard questions and the cries and that this would be a season for our church, God, in which you pull forth the things that perhaps we had not known we had the freedom to step into that you would heal us of our hurt and you would join us in the suffering of this world because that is the way of Jesus to walk with those who are hurting. And so God, as we do this, we ask that you would show us more of who you are, that you would be glorified in this, that we would become more like your son, Jesus, and that we would be a community that shows what it is you long for this world to be and that we would participate in that by the way of love of Jesus, sacrificing our lives for the sake of those around us. God, we give you ourselves. We give you this season. We give you the rest of our day. We love you in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.